Hello, Duncan Green here with your roundup of the week's activity on From Poverty to Power. Um, apart from blogging, I've had a really amazing week talking to some fantastic people, but for most of those, you'll have to wait till I finally process the conversations into blogs, which should go up next week. Um, first blog of the week was uh, the usual links I liked, a um, couple of favourites here. A training manual from the Weatherspoon pub chain in the UK, which included the line, try not to be distracted by thinking your own thoughts. And that obviously resonates with me um, as both in terms of my uh, uh, life in NGOs and my life in academia. Maybe it's something we should apply more generally because it's clearly very distracting. Um, I also quite like Tom Baker's piece. Tom Baker's a kind of Save the Children um, campaign guru who's written a nice listicle, uh, 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 an article based on a list of seven challenges facing today's campaigner. And things like the changing nature of power, you know, the digital, is there life in the centre ground? Is it still possible to build bridges and coalitions when everything is becoming so polarised? Some really good sort of thoughtful stuff on that. Tuesday was um, a piece from The Economist. The Economist never fails to surprise. It does these particular um, uh, big briefings and the topics are often really interesting and unusual. So it, did, it had a big uh, report on how new tech is changing the way trade unions organise. Um, so, for example, um, uh, primarily in the, in the West, but I mean, it's of, of wider interest for anyone interested in organizing generally. So, for example, there's a bunch of apps now appearing aimed at unbundling the traditional trade union functions, helping um, people organize, in particular, outside the formal workplace with salaried workforce, which is becoming smaller and smaller as a percentage of the overall workforce. Um, it's also, and it also covered how new tech can help trade unions or is helping trade unions build relationships with gig economy workers, precarious zero hours workers. And so it's quite interesting to have a positive story about tech uh, and a positive story about trade unions in The Economist um, coming together. Uh, Wednesday, I pulled together a couple of different reports uh, asking the question, how do we rate and compare aid donors, the big bilaterals, you know, the, the USAIDs and the DFIDs, or the multilaterals like the World Bank? They normally spend their time rating other people, and it's quite good to turn the spotlight back on them. Uh, two different ways of doing that. So the CGD has just come up with um, uh, an index called the Quality of Overseas Development Assistance, QUOTA, which is a classic mashup index where CGD has decided these are the things which characterize good aid, and we're going to go and measure them. We're going to then uh, add them all up, and we'll see who comes top. Um, and they've, uh, the winner is New Zealand, uh, interestingly, on quality of aid. And the Scandinavians, as always, on the quantity as a percentage of their economy, um, with the multilaterals kind of spread out just underneath New Zealand. A completely different approach from aid data, who says, well, let's just actually ask the people in developing countries. So they do an annual survey called Listening to Leaders, um, and uh, the latest one had three and a half thousand government officials, NGOs, you know, um, thought leaders in developing countries and asked them about the quality of aid. And um, what they found was that uh, and they looked at which, which uh, organizations people felt were most helpful and which were most influential. And they, that was a complete slam dunk. The multilaterals won on both counts. 
the highest bilateral was actually USAID, um, who were eighth on help being helpful and seventh on being influential. So I think it's worth having a look at those and thinking why the result's different, why do multilaterals do so well, um, and some good, some good comments uh, on, on helping us with that. But the comments really poured in on Thursday's post, which was based on a conversation with my new boss, Danny Shreskandaraja, who's coming in to take over Oxfam GB in January as the, as the chief executive, um, and uh, David Bonbright, who runs a thing called Keystone Accountability, which looks at feedback loops from partners and people on the ground on the quality of aid. So he's in the same space as some of that aid data work. Um, and Danny is going around asking, to pe asking people to just speculate what a next fam would look like. What would be the new generation Oxfam kind of activities? And one of the things we were kicking around is, well, yeah, I've seen lots of innovative and interesting and experimental projects trying to do things differently over the years. And one of the depressing things is I haven't seen them spread very much. Um, at the same time, you, you, it's very unlikely to take a big super tanker like Oxfam and say, OK, we're going to do something entirely new. The entire organization is going to go in this new direction. So what's in between? And Danny raised the question of would it be interesting to have an experimental country program. So you take all the activities in a particular country and you say, OK, you are a sandpit. You are an experimental innovation lab thing. Um, what are you going to do? Of course, at that point, I just pile in all the crazy ideas from, from poverty to power and say, let's have these in the sandpit. But um, the, what, the thing that really was interesting was some very good comments in the, uh, underneath the, the post from all sorts of practitioners, people in, the, you know, uh, people in Oxfam, people outside, all arguing what would such a program look like? Do you want to do it at country level? Do you really want to do it very experimental with unrestricted money? Or does having specific projects actually sharpen up your thinking? So lots of good conversation on that one. So hopefully Danny will find that useful when he, when he finally gets around to looking at all this stuff. And then the last post of the week was a book review. We're coming to Christmas. You need to know what books to buy your long-suffering relatives. Um, so I reviewed Radical Help by Hilary Cotton. And the reason I like this is because um, it's a book about welfare state reform processes in the UK, which has massive resonance with anybody doing, doing development differently, working on adaptive management, or trying to rethink the role of aid. Hillary's basically, she had a, a spell in the Dominican Republic for care back in the day, and she's absorbed some uh, Amartya Sen thinking. And so she's taken Amartya Sen with his focus on capabilities, on agency, on what poor people themselves have and want, and said, wow, look at the gulf between that view of the world and the, what the welfare state in the UK has become after 70 years where it's basically about service delivery, managing risk, treating people as individuals rather than thinking about their relationships, not you know, as a series of problems. And for each problem, you try and create a service. And it's really struggling. I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's both a lot of support for the welfare state, but there's also a lot of concern about how it's getting a bit stuck. So, uh, so Hillary set up a, a, a think tank, a think and do tank, as we call them, called Participle. And they ran five really interesting grassroots experiments trying to do the welfare state differently based on Amartya Sen principles. And they worked with old people, they worked with um, uh, unemployed people, they worked with uh, people with long-term sickness, uh, adolescents, um, and there was a fifth one, which I can't remember. 
Um, but never mind. They're really interesting, and she pulls out some general ideas about design, how you design this different wave of program, and I think there's a lot to get you thinking. So if you are looking for a Christmas present, I recommend Radical Help by Hilary Cotton. And that's the end. Have a good weekend, and see you next week.